Hello and welcome to Heading North. My name is Nick and this week I am joined by Rachel Chastain, owner, creator of Asylum Music and Media Works and the one and only creator of the intro and outro music for this show. How are you, Rachel? I am great. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. As I was just saying before we hit record, I'm I'm on episode number three of recording just to get ready for a good amount of travel going on. So my eyes are starting to hurt, but I'm really, this is the one that I was really excited about today because I've been dying to get a dog and obviously with the amount of travel i have it would be unfair to any animal for me to take that on but um i definitely love talking about dogs so i'm really excited about today oh yeah for sure i love dogs anytime i see a dog it's like i've heard this phrase that says i don't believe in love at first sight except for dogs see this is why i asked you to come on not only because you created our music but because i i just i know how much you love dogs and being outside with your dog so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your new pup and, and kind of your love for uh, being outside with the dog? Yeah, so I have a 16-week-old Black Lab mix puppy. Uh, her name is Indy. Uh, her government name is Indiana Bones, Raider of the Lost Bark. That's the dog's I... name. <laughs> that's the dog's name. We named the dog Indy. So that's why I went with Indy. Uh, she's very explorative. So that, that was why it was a really good name for her. But I got her from an amazing foster-based rescue group here in Missouri. It's called Needy Paul's Rescue. Um, as far as love for the outdoors, I used to live in an amazing area in Virginia that was surrounded by the Blue Ridge Mountains. I would hike um, this area that's called Peaks of Otter, so it's Sharp Top and Round Top Mountain. I would do that hike at least once a year. I also had easy access to the Virginia portion of the Appalachian Trail. I'm also sure I'll get some uh, some beef there about how I pronounce it. But from the south, where I lived in Virginia, um, it is pronounced Appalachian and not Appalachian. And now I live about 30 minutes outside of St. Louis, Missouri, near a lot of great county parks and national forests, including uh, Ozark Mountains, Ozark, Lake of the Ozarks, places like that. And now that it's starting to warm up, I am super excited to hopefully take my pup out to hike as often as possible. So a couple pieces of housekeeping to kind of dig into that a little bit. First and foremost, it's Appalachian. Um, I, I for years said Appalachian until I hiked it and met people from like the Apple, like the actual Appalachian area and realized that mm-hmm. you can't call anything else. There's an entire group of people called the Appalachians. So like it, it is definitely that. Also, um, I'm going to kind of dive lightly into old NerdCon 1 podcast territory and talk a little bit about how much I love your dog's name simply because that whole joke behind Indiana Jones being the dog's name or Indiana being the dog's name actually is derived from a trip that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg took together when Lucas actually pitched Indiana Jones to Spielberg. And um, when he had mentioned the name that he was going to give the character for Indiana Jones, Spielberg actually looked at him laughingly saying, isn't that your dog's name? And it kind of took off from there as like an homage to um, George Lucas allowing Steven Spielberg to create that story. Yeah, I love it. Every time I've ever had a dog, I've had a list of names that I liked. Indy has always been a name that's been on there. And then as soon as I met my pup, I just knew right away. I was like, she's an Indy. So as I was saying before, um, I'm definitely unable um, to comfortably get a dog and take care of it in the way it deserves uh, due to the amount of work travel I do. So uh, the last time I had a dog was in 2006 when I had Neo, um, who was a German Shepherd Spaniel mix. And he was my best friend. 
came out for every hike and outdoor experience I had um, in my teens. And unfortunately, in my father passing moving up here, we had to uh, um, give him to a friend of ours who had other dogs that he'd be able to play with. So it's been uh, 16 years since, uh, and I wanted to have some questions that would be relevant to today's canine hiking person. So I actually asked you, Rachel, to uh, prepare a list of five questions uh, that you have as a dog owner uh, to hopefully give listeners some relevant and useful information. So I'll let you fire off each question and we can dive into the info I was able to find between online research um, and asking around in different canine hiking groups as well as other hiking groups where I know there's a lot of uh, dog owners. And uh, so why don't you go ahead and give me question number one and we'll dive right into this. Uh, So first and foremost, when I was looking into getting a dog, I really just wanted to know off the bat, what are some of the best practices, especially for the health and safety of the dog while on the trail? Kind of like things like how often should they rest or what happens if my dog has a medical emergency? What kind of things like that? There's a lot of resources online to get that information, especially at bustle.com, which is where I got a lot of the uh, stuff I was going to talk about today. So really, uh, just to dive heavily into that question, the first thing you need to do, just like if you are uh, going out and doing something that you're not normally used to would be, you know, as a human, we would go to a doctor, but you need to consult with your vet, especially if your dog has any pre-existing health conditions, simply because depending on the dog's age, size, and other variables, it may not necessarily be be the best idea to take them on longer hikes, shorter hikes, hotter hikes, and anything in between. Now, uh, talking about just kind of that safety and keeping your dog healthy on the trail, it's extremely important, just like it would be for yourself, to invest in a canine first aid kit. These can be found anywhere online, especially Chewy.com, and it has a lot of different antibacterials and other things that will help you treat actual wounds that something would be more similar to what a dog would have, uh, pad care and stuff like that for their paws, stuff for their gums, and a bunch of different dog-safe antibacterial uh, items in order to make sure that you can take care of your dog if it becomes injured or needs any first aid on the trail. So uh, one of the big things you want to do before you even go on your hike is going to be to assess trail hazards. Um, At the head of most public trails, there should be a sign outlining trail conditions as well as wildlife in the area. If there are steep ledges or poisonous or dangerous animals in the area, you may want to think twice about bringing your dog with you. Let's say you're in an area, I believe down by you, you guys have mountain lions or cougars. Uh, That might be something that you want to take into effect if you are deciding to bring in your dog. Uh, Somewhere up here, I would start looking as far as hazardous animals because we don't necessarily have many poisonous uh, animals and or snakes or anything like that. Is looking at what time of year it is to figure out what if the bears are going to be out and if they're going to be hungry and that could cause an issue where my dog might not know well enough to not go after a bear, especially by a cub, and then cause it to be harmed. Weather is also uh, another big thing that will affect if your dog can come on a hike with you. Uh, Slippery conditions can lead to injury and severely uh, low and high temperatures can be hazardous to your dog and the addition of moisture to extreme temperatures can make uh, those hazards even worse. So ultimately you want to look specifically at when you're going on the trail, is the trail wide enough where your dog can safely get across it where it might not necessarily know the things we know as uh, hikers who have experience? Is it going to be in an area where it may slip and fall and are you going to be in an area where there could be predators that could harm your animal as far as you were asking about taking breaks uh and there was a lot of different opinions on how often you should uh, allow your dog to rest but the reality of the matter is is your dog is going to be out in the woods and it's going to be excited so you need to make sure that you take time to 
stop and let your dog rest because just like us it can physically exert itself dogs burn calories similar to the way we do so it continuously running can cause it to become uh, have some malnourished issues and have its body start not working the way it should while it's out on the trail and just like anyone, so I, I've been in New England for a long time, so Lyme's disease is an extremely prevalent issue. But at least 12 hours before you go on your hike, you want to make sure your dog has been given flea and tick protection. Uh, they say 12 hours because that gives it enough time for it to work into the dog's fur and skin in order to make sure that it is going to protect it. That That's huge. I mean, obviously, we're going to check for ticks at the end of the day when you finish hiking with your dog. But really, just giving it any level of protection you can so it doesn't get any of these bloodborne diseases is going to be the best practice when it comes to stuff like that. Now, just like uh, as a human, you want to make sure you pack a lot of extra water, not just enough water for yourself, but you also want to take in effect how much water you need to pack for your animal. I had a list of that amount. Oh, here we go. So you want to pack at least eight ounces of water per hour for your dog. Um, when you're hiking in um, hot temperatures, it's a good idea to actually freeze some water overnight to help cool your dog down when it drinks it. Obviously, when you're first starting, have a little bit of water that isn't frozen. That way it's easily accessible for you to provide to the animal. The necessity of water kind of dives into the next point that I had where you need to pay attention to signs of heat stroke. These signs will include excessive panting, uh, excessive drooling, and you'll notice that their gums will become bright red or a deep red gum color. I do remember years ago I had Neo where we went on a long hike and we did have a lot of water for him, but I, I, I don't think we were giving him enough water in the right intervals. And my dad realized that that was becoming an issue because his gums were becoming very red and he was drooling exponentially, almost as much as he would drool when we'd ride in the car and he was about to get sick, which was every car ride, whether it was a mile or 20 miles. Digging back to uh, tick care, especially, and um, anything like that, a, a post-hike bath is absolutely recommended. It's not always possible, depending on what your plans are. So if that is not a part of your plan for the day, make sure you wipe down their paws to remove any irritants from the trail to be sure to check for ticks and small injuries that may have occurred. A lot of times, a dog will get a cut or a scrape that you aren't aware of just because you have not looked, and then that can become infected and cause other issues. So it's really great to make sure that you check your dog down entirely after you Especially if you are hiking with a large canine breed, it may be a good idea to invest in a carryout pack. Now, this kind of dives into your question of what you have, what happens if there's an emergency on the trail. The unfortunate reality is, is park rangers and other park officials who uh, would come to the rescue of a human, they might not necessarily have the training and ability to take care of an injured canine on the uh, trail. So where the carryout pack comes in is if there is a serious injury like a broken leg or deep wound or heat exhaustion, you are able to physically carry your animal out. Even if it just becomes tired and you're too far out and you know that it will end up turning into one of these issues, it's a good idea to have this, uh, especially if you have a larger breed. Now, your dog sounds like it's going to get quite huge. I, I can only imagine the size of its paws right now. Uh, so possibly a carryout pack might be a, a good choice. And at that point, you know, the, the key is just to get them out as fast as possible and get to the vet as fast and as comfortably for the dog as humanly possible. Absolutely. And that's uh, just a ton of great information. Uh, I know when I was first looking into my dog, these were a lot of questions though, that I had. So uh, part of me feels like a lot of my follow-up questions will kind of all break off of the the essentials for what to bring for your dog. But my second question was like, what are the essentials to bring for your dog while hiking? Um, and that kind of includes, I thought about the differences between a one hour hike or a day hike, or even people who might take their dogs on overnight hikes. So what are kind of like some essentials that you want to bring for your dog while hiking? 
Okay, so AmericanHiking.org had a lot of really good information on this. You, you pretty much have your, your key 10, just like you would as a hiker uh, for a human. Uh, but one of the main things you want to make sure you have is obviously a collar, a harness, and a leash. Uh, it is best practice to always have your dog leashed uh, when you're on the trail. I, I know there are dogs who have great training. I know my girlfriend's uh, brother has a dog who has spent years hunting with him and does very well off leash. But it's always good to have these items with you in case you do need to get them next to your side and in a safe location, especially if there's predators or other dogs around. And then obviously you need the aforementioned first aid kit, just like you would as a human. Um... You can find these, like I said, on Chewy.com. I know Petco has a few really good options. You can also ask your vet. I did see a lot in regards to the vets having some really good ideas on things to have available, and we'll be able to provide you sometimes with samples of those things to have available. Now, if your dog doesn't have a microchip, it's extremely good idea to have an ID tag. It is very easy to lose your dog on the trail if a leash breaks when the dog's not necessarily trained to be by your side or come to calls. Well, guess what? It's, it, it could very easily get lost, and you want to make sure that you have a way for the person who finds your dog to get that dog back to you. Now, back to water. This is same thing in the core 10 of hiking for humans. Water's huge. Make sure you have at least those eight ounces of water per hour. Now, when you're looking at a multiple day hike or a day hike, look at uh, the distance you go. Usually a mile and a half by yourself takes about a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on the uh, grade of trail you're on, whether it's an easy, moderate, or hard trail to be on. I would add a little bit of time to that uh, if you are hiking with a dog, simply because, you know, they're going to veer off. You're going to do those fun things. You might take a break or two extra just to make sure that your dog's okay. So kind of look at those things when you're planning your trip, and you always want to plan ahead when, you, when you're going hiking, especially with a dog. So look at the amount of time that you think it'll take. And in all honesty, if you think it's going to take two hours and you need 16 ounces, of water maybe bring 24 ounces just to be safe always have extra you'd rather have too much than not enough obviously you don't want to bring a gallon for your dog if you're going for an hour hike that's a little bit overkill and it'll cause a lot of weight and we'll we can kind of dive into the weight and stuff like that when we talk a little bit further with some of your questions another great thing to have with you is going to be a collapsible ball you need something for your dog to physically be able to consume that water sticking on the consumption side of things food is another one that is in the core 10 for humans as well as dogs and uh for for short hikes uh, bring a third of the dog's daily intake when you get into longer hikes uh you want to ensure the similar eating patterns to when you are at home and honestly you might want to amplify that a little bit as i said before dogs burn calories similar to humans and calories are what gives us the energy to complete our hikes when you're talking to a through hiker their calorie intake is insane because they are simply just burning that many calories every four mile hike i do i can burn anywhere from four to six hundred calories and your dog has a similar effect when it comes to things like that so you want to make sure that you are focusing on so let's say you feed them twice a day at home I would bring that plus a little bit extra if you're doing a multi-day or an overnight hike to make sure that your dog is happy, fed, and has the energy it needs to get the, get through the hike just like you would. And when it comes to the food that you want on the trail, and obviously this is going to be based off of your, your dog's dietary needs, but I would highly recommend a meat-based kibble because it is very high in calorie and it will allow them to get all the nutrients they need while hiking. Another thing to have with you, and again, these are all pretty much on the core 10, is uh, clothing such as booties, bandanas, um, or an insulated jacket or flotation device. Now, a flotation device would be if you have a well-trained dog and you happen to be going by somewhere that has a narrow pathway near water, or you have to travel across a river, you're going to want to uh, have a flotation device with you or available. 
Now, as far as insulated jackets, obviously, if you have a Husky, it's not going to need an insulated jacket. But if you have any short hair breeds or breeds that are more used to being in warmer climates, an insulated jacket might be a good option. Bandanas are also great. I personally just love the way they look. And then booties are also going to be if you're in more cold temperatures or if you're going over jagged rocks or anything like that. So again, a lot of this comes into making sure you plan ahead and knowing what you need as far as choosing these items. And after that, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, dogs going poo on the trail, but you want to make sure you have uh, small bags to pick up the, the poop from your dog, as well as a spade or anything like that. That way you can dig around and pick that item up. Yeah. And uh, it kind of, again, it goes right into my next question here. We were talking about um, like dog packs, dogs being able to wear packs. And so I did just kind of want to figure out like what our opinion is on that. Um, When I was doing my own research, some places uh, felt that it was very inhumane to have the dogs carry something. And then a lot of other places said that it's totally fine. Dogs can carry um, on the trail and that sometimes it's encouraged. So just kind of that whole entire conversation. Is it okay for a dog to have a pack? If so, how much weight can they reasonably carry? And then are there any good pack brands for dogs? I threw this one out to a few of the hiking groups I'm on, as well as searching. A lot of the information I have today is from REI.com. It, it was very similar to that. Some people said it was inhumane. Most said that it's, it's you know, dogs are absolutely capable. And the reality of the matter is, is your dog isn't a pack mule. Uh, you're not going to load up all of your gear on your dog and expect them to carry it. The other reality is, is there are plenty of working dogs and military dogs who wear uh, plate carriers and bulletproof vests, as well as other gear, their own first aid kits, stuff like that on a regular basis. And these are working dogs who are able to do so. So this is really going to rely heavily on the size of breed and age of your dog. If you have a smaller dog or an older dog, you may not necessarily want to put extra weight on their body. Or if you have a dog who's already overweight, it might not necessarily be a good choice to do so because you could cause them to overexert themselves. And going back to food and water, if you do add extra weight to your animal, just like if you add extra weight to yourself, you want to make sure you plan to have enough food to make up for the extra calories burned and having that extra weight on the dog, as well as extra water for the amount that it's perspiring due to having that extra weight. But many can take on a few extra pounds uh, and it's important to ensure your dog is capable of sustaining that weight. So before you do take a longer hike or an overnight hike, maybe do a couple tester hikes with your dog with some levels of weight on it. That way you know what your dog's capable of and you know what's not going to cause your dog to be uncomfortable or have harm. So if you're unsure necessarily how much your dog's going to be able to carry, uh, it's best to only have your dog carry its own food and water and possibly a first aid kit. Uh, If you are doing longer or multiple day hikes, I'd recommend ensuring you can filter water instead of using your dog to pack or your dog's pack to carry the amount that would be needed for your pup to uh, stay hydrated. Obviously, if you are going those extra day hikes, you can also carry that water yourself. The top two dog packs I was able to find, the first one is from PetSmart.com, is the Arcadia Trail Packable Dog Pack. And that is uh, going to run you right around $29.99. And then Chewy.com has the Kurgo Baxter Dog Pack. Now, that one runs at $56.99, and it is a much lar- larger pack and allows you to hold more items um, on your dog's back. But there's also a lot of options where I've seen a good number, and I have a lot of friends who are either ex-military or military who have... Uh, the plate carrier, not necessarily the bulletproof plates in the carrier, but have a carrier that has multiple contact points that they can attach side packs, just like you would a plate carrier as a human. So there are a lot of different options that you can go with, but the ones that I've seen the most reviews, the most good reviews on as far as the dog's comfortability, as well as ability to still hook in a leash are the two that I just, just mentioned there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely something where, like you said, I always got kind of mixed reviews on it, but I think we both kind of track our opinions there on whether or not dogs can carry things. Um, I probably would just feel bad if I made my dog carry an ounce, but I also baby my dog to the point where she probably thinks she's human and not a dog. So that's a lot of great information. And then just kind of switching gears a little bit, I was curious to know if there were specific trails that don't allow dogs. And if so, if you're getting ready to do a hike, where's going to be the best place you can check for that information, maybe even before you get to the trail? So there are absolutely an abundance of trails that do not allow dogs. It, I'm not necessarily sure the reasons for some. Some might be safety. Some might just be preference or based off of the type of people who hike those trails. But uh, most trails ahead of time, or not necessarily ahead of time, but when you get there, will have a posting at the trailhead to notify you of this. If you use an app like All Trails, and there's a few others, the comments are going to be a great place to look. Uh, one of the, my favorite things as a hiker is kind of searching and finding uh, different hiking locations. But you also find those hiking locations by looking through views on different parks and different trails so you can find a lot of those in there as far as finding a detailed list of dog friendly trails uh the american hiking society website which i will uh put in the show notes on this episode is going to be a great place to check that this has national parks state parks as well as a lot of local places so any any local trails or parks that want to add in this information can do so and it all adds into the uh, database here it's americanhikingtrail.org forward slash miscellaneous forward slash places dash to dash hike dash with dash a dash dog That was a mouthful, which is, I'm not expecting anyone to remember that, which is why I will definitely add that into the show notes. Yeah, I am definitely, I've already highlighted that from what you had sent me before, but I'm definitely going to look into that website because I am the type of person when it comes to planning for a hike, I plan days in advance for everything. And I would hate to do all of that planning and arrive and then see a big sign that says no dogs. Um, So we'll definitely be looking at that website preparing ahead of time we don't necessarily have the issue because we don't have a dog right now but up north there's a lot of trails that during the winter all of a sudden become skiing only or cross-country skiing only trails and that has been the biggest thing where i've actually noticed there's more of a database for places you're allowed to hike with dogs and there are places that tell you whether or not you can hike on these trails in the winter so it's definitely a great resource to have all righty well then my last question you kind of mentioned it earlier but it was one that i did not think would pop up as much as it did in my personal search uh but it's to leave the poop or not to leave the poop so my initial thought was it's the outdoors and the woods other animals also poop out here so why would i need to clean up my dog's poop but then at the same time it's like you obviously want to clean the keep the trail clean and clear. So what do you do when your dog goes number two? Well, just looking heavily at, you know, your conversation where you're saying that animals poop outside. Yes, they do. You know, if you're in nature, any wild animal uses, you know, goes number two outside. That's, that's their uh, number two choice of places to go. So the reality of the matter is, is they do uh, go, but it's also not in a centralized location and not as repetitively as it would be if the number of dogs who traverse a trail with their owners would in that specific trail. So going with the leave no trace principle, it is important to remove your dog's poop uh, when on the trail. Uh, Dog poop can contain uh, multiple pathogens that can contaminate water supplies. So let's say over a course of a year, you have 20,000 groups who hike with a dog. Well, that's 20,000 poops that have been left on the trail. That is an absolutely a number of 
or an absolute number of pathogens that can necessarily or can absolutely contaminate the water sources that are around. Also, it, it just kind of falls into another principle where you want to be courteous to others on the trail. I know if I'm walking down a trail and I step in dog poop, I'd be a little, little bit upset. Deer poop's easy to clean off. Bear poop, you don't run into it a whole lot on the trail. Similar to dog poop on cleaning up, but also it's it's not going to be as regular as if there are multiple dogs on the trail. That's the biggest things you want to look at. You know, and as far as uh, short hikes, uh, try to have your dog use the restroom beforehand to avoid the need to even carry out. But obviously dogs are going to go when they need to go, just like we would. So you want to make sure you're prepared and that's where it comes into having a spade and as well as bags with you. Some people I've heard online will bury their dog's poop just like you would with the humans. Again, it really is going to fall down to dogs go to the bathroom on the trail a lot more consistently than a human would so it, it just it adds so much when every dog would be doing it so it's going to be a best practice probably not to leave poo on the trail i never thought i'd well, be talking are... about poop on a podcast but i'm glad we are <laughs> i mean these are these are the questions this is what the internet told me that the questions were they needed to be asked i like the way you worded it too in our show notes is that uh, every time i read it you said to leave the poo or not to leave the poo and all i saw was to poo or not to poo that is the question <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's true. And then and I don't like to be like showy too much. And I say that as probably the most showy person I know. But it was just like, it was something that I didn't think was that big of a question that the internet has just like blown up. Like my poor search history is filled with so many questions about dog poop now. I, you know, you've kind of led me to the same predicament that now I have multiple <laughs> websites pulled up about dog poo. Though well, there we go. Probably not the worst thing I've searched for, especially after doing multiple podcasts and having a lot of random questions pop up. Oh, yeah. Especially I used to work on a true crime podcast as a transcriber. So I had a lot of interesting search histories where I almost wanted to include it with like, I'm not a criminal. Can you put that in parentheses? Would it change the search result if you put I am not a criminal? Um, it, it won't. I don't think so. But nobody, okay. no cops have knocked on my door yet. So, so far I'm okay. You know, I don't, we, we know they watch what we do a lot of times, but I, uh, a few years ago got a 1950s Boy Scout kit that had uh, uranium in it. And oh, before boy. I knew enough about radiation and the fact that it's not enriched uranium, it wasn't going to harm me. I did a lot of research on how to uh, get rid of uranium. And I realized about a week into my uh, dive into that research, I'm like, I am probably on so many <laughs> lists and so far no fbi have showed up uh no interpol i'm doing pretty good i haven't had any weird um russian uh contacts try to get a hold of me to get a hold of some uranium so i i think we're i think we're okay i think poop is probably not okay. the worst thing that we've searched for <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now that we're kind of done with some of the common questions uh to to have answered i i was hoping that you could give the listeners a few tips that you would like to give them just to, to have as uh, dog owners yeah i was gonna say a lot of the tips that i came up with we've kind of talked about already, but they exceed so much further beyond just having a dog to hike with. And a lot of it is especially for first time dog owners. So my first tip is if you're getting a dog as a hiking companion, you should think really carefully about the breed that you want. And if you already have a dog that you want to turn into a hiking companion, you need to be realistic about their capabilities. Just for an example, growing up, my family, we had a Border Collie mix. She was the best dog in the world. Don't tell my current dog I said this. Um, but she could walk and play for hours. And then for my 16th birthday, I got a Pekingese pup, which for anybody who doesn't know what a Pekingese is, it's basically a long-haired pug. So smushed faces, spread apart eyes. 
And I just remember one time I tried to take my Pekingese on the same one mile loop around my neighborhood that I did routinely with our border collie. And eventually she just laid down in protest. She would not take another step. Her legs were too tired. So when you're looking into getting a dog, you really need to research dog breeds that fit your lifestyle. So when I was first researching for my current pup, Indy, I knew I wanted a dog that would be physically active and need that activity. So that way I would get out more. But I'm also a bit of a homebody. So I also wanted a dog that was okay with a weekend lounging about on the couch as well. Um, I also knew that I really wanted a dog that would be okay around other dogs, other animals, other people, and have that healthy curiosity of the world around them. I also know that it's very tempting to get a dog that's a little bit more higher energy, thinking that you'll get out more and that you'll exercise more, but you want to make sure that you aren't getting a more active dog than your lifestyle allows. So again, just another example, when I was reaching out to rescues and asking about puppies before I got Indy, I had gotten a call to possibly adopt an Australian cattle dog puppy. I started researching the breed, their energy levels, their temperaments, their personalities, and as beautiful as I thought these dogs were, I had to be realistic in the fact that at this time in my life, I knew I could not provide the level of attention and activity that that breed needed specifically in order to have a happy and fulfilling life. And then for those who already have dogs and maybe you want to start hiking with them, start small, build up their endurance and kind of figure out what their limitations are. You'll know within time what those limitations are. And with all that said, it does not mean that small dogs can't hike. Small dogs can absolutely hike. I've seen people who take their cats on the trails with them. But like with my Pekingese pup, you just need to be realistic of the limitations your dogs have. And my second... Oh, go right ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, dogs' physical fitness is very similar to humans. It's it's based on what they are. And especially if you have a dog who you have had for some time and hasn't necessarily gone hiking with you, they aren't going to have the muscles needed or the ability needed necessarily to do those long hikes. So just like us, if we start going to the gym, you want to start with smaller weights and move your way up. If we start with hikes, you want to do smaller, shorter hikes and work your way up. It's going to be exactly the same thing when it comes to having a dog. That's exactly it. So then my second tip, which again, we kind of talked about a little bit is training your dog cannot just have the energy to hike with you. They also have to have the discipline. So my last dog before my current puppy was a Jack Russell Terrier, and she definitely had more than enough energy for hiking, probably more than I personally had. But Jack Russells often just have higher reactivity around other dogs. So she just could not be around other animals or people without causing her a lot of stress and anxiety. So when you're hiking with a dog, you're taking an animal out into the actual wilderness where there are other animals and other people, and you need to have the confidence that this is an activity that your dog can realistically do. Your two biggest obstacles when it comes to overcoming Um, or your two biggest obstacles to overcome when it comes to training your dog for hiking are going to be reactivity and recall. So with puppies, if you're getting a puppy like I did or a new dog, and sometimes even younger adult dogs, you can help them overcome potential reactivity by exposing them to different dogs, people, and even other animals, if you can, like horses or goats or anything, anything that you might have access to. Um, One excellent rule that I learned that was super helpful for me with this puppy is 60 and 60. So essentially, you want to introduce your dog to 60 new anythings, new animals, new humans within 60 days. 
This routine really helps them normalize that meeting a new animal is just a part of everyday life. It's not a rare occurrence. Recall is going to be one of the most important things you teach your dog, kind of like we talked about earlier. You want to know that while you're hiking on the trail, um, if your dog is leashed, if they're unleashed, obviously you do want to keep them leashed. But if you're letting your dog free walk, you don't want them to run after a rabbit or even a bear or anything else while on the trail. They can sometimes get curious and either weasel into some brush or even down a hill or a cliff where it's really difficult or impossible to get them. Two super excellent games for teaching a dog recall are hide and seek and hot potato. Hide and seek is pretty self-explanatory. You basically hide, you reward your dog heavily the moment they find you. And then with hot potato, you need at least one other person, normally another person who you would want to be in charge of the dog. And essentially you just take turns calling the dog back and forth. And then again, you want to reward them heavily for coming to you when called. And you also want to make it a special treat that they don't normally get. So like freeze-dried chicken or even like, um, like blueberries, stuff that they can have that they normally don't get. The goal is that they should always view coming to you as the biggest reward. Uh, you can practice this at dog parks as well, but if you do practice at the dog park, you want to avoid calling them and then immediately leashing them up and taking them home because it could actually have the reverse effect that you want. They're going to view that recall as a punishment. So the best way to practice this at a dog park or anywhere where you're outside is you want to call them periodically, leash them, give them a treat, maybe have them sit there for a minute, unleash them, release them back into the park. And this really helps make it so recall is always associated with, an, with a reward. And then my final tip, we also talked about this a lot. It's probably the most important thing. Make sure your dog is up to date on their shot, that they're on a monthly flea tick and heartworm preventative, and consider microchipping your dog. Especially when you're hiking in the woods, you want to protect your dog from those tick-borne, blood-borne diseases that can cause a lot of discomfort and further health issues for them. And then as for heartworms, if you don't know, they're basically transmitted by a mosquito who has bitten an effective animal and then, or an infected animal and then bit your dog. Heartworms are significantly easier and cheaper to prevent than it is to treat. And treatment can sometimes be very painful for your dog. And if it's not treated early enough, it can be fatal. And then just to give an idea, I think I pay $13 a month for my dog's heartworm preventative. So it's very affordable. Um, and then again, absolutely, as far as making sure your dog is up to date on their shots, rabies vaccine is going to be a big one. That's a once a year vaccine um, that you can get. You never know what you're going to run into while you're on the trail and maybe miles away from your vehicle. Rabies is another one that's easy to prevent and difficult to treat. And then the last one, again, we also talked about it, but absolutely consider microchipping your dog. In the event that your dog does get loose, maybe they pull themselves out of their collar and you're just unsuccessful in getting them back and they're in the woods somewhere, a microchip immediately links that dog back to you and maybe the only thing that prevents your dog from getting picked up from animal control, placed in a shelter, and a lot of times shelters have a 7 to 14 day rule. If nobody claims the dog within that time, they'll be adopted out to somebody else. Um, so microchips absolutely help prevent your fur baby from being adopted to somebody else. Um, and then, like I said, most of my tips here, they were based on any new dog owner, but they're excellent tips for hiking as well. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on today. Can you let the guests know how they can find you on social media and how they can find Asylum Music and Media Works? 
Yeah, so the two best ways, if anybody's interested in finding me, um, as you heard, I did the music for uh, the Heading North podcast intro and outro. I would love to do, if you guys have your own podcast, I'd love to discuss with you about possibly doing the music for you as well. I am on Instagram. It's all one word, no symbols. It's just Asylum Music and Media Works. And then I also have a website where you can kind of see what I've been working on before and see a little bit about the services I offer. And that is, again, all one word, no symbols. It's asylummusicandmediaworks.wordpress.com. And if any of you liked anything you heard on this episode, you can go to www.headingnorthpodcast.com for more information. If you want to find us on social media, just search Heading North Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or Heading North Pod on Twitter. To support the show, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Heading North Podcast. You can also pick up some of our awesome show merch at headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash shop or click the link in the show notes to support us that way. Also, please rate and review this show on iTunes, Spotify, or any where you listen to podcasts that's the best way to help get the word out about our podcast outside of word of mouth and thank you so much for sharing us as much as you have